Hi, and welcome to the Liberation Lab for Women in Business. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Schuch-Guzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Together in the Liberation Lab, we explore what it actually takes to create fulfillment, success, and freedom. I brought up this topic today because it is one I have worked with a lot over the years, and it's one I see a lot of women struggling with in business. What do we do when our life partners are not backing us up in our business? How do we create more alignment? And when we can't, what do we do to support ourselves? We talk about this topic from all sides because honestly, having a business is a family affair. We also talk about how important it is to stay in integrity with yourself and trust yourself even when your partner is pulling you in a different direction. This is a powerful episode and we barely brush the surface of this topic. If you're enjoying the show, we'd be so happy to have you review us on iTunes. You can also head over to theliberationlab.com to subscribe and access some amazing resources to help you feel more liberation. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Liberation Lab for Women in Business. I'm Sonia Statman, your host, and I'm here with the lovely and beautiful Laura Shukisman. Hello. hello, hello, lady. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to have you here too. And today we're we're diving into a juicy topic and it also can be a sensitive one. So we want to try to look at it from multiple sides. Um, I was recently really inspired by a post that came up in a Facebook group that I'm in and it's really around, you know, what do we do when we feel like our partners aren't supporting us in our business? How do we tackle that? How do we handle that? And, and I think we really have to look at it from all sides. You know, the idea is basically like, how do we create alignment with our partners and get the support we need to succeed in business? Yeah, I think this is going to be a really great topic because, I mean, as a therapist, I've worked with couples and um, I love working with couples. And some of those couples end up having businesses, both being entrepreneurs. Some of them are one's an entrepreneur and one, you know, runs is the breadwinner in a more maybe stable salaried position. And it's really interesting to see the different dynamics that come up between partners. Yeah. Yes. I love, I've also worked with partners who are in business together and done some business coaching around partnerships. And it is just really fascinating. Like the dynamics that are involved when you're you know, intimately involved with someone and then also how that relates and interacts with your business. Yeah, it's really fascinating and and challenging. And I don't think there's one answer, but I think it's cool to kind of explore, you know, what do we do as women? How do we um, create that alignment and that support that we need so that we can succeed? Because as I, I think what happens is sometimes we're really feeling stressed out by our partners and that can make it even harder for us to succeed. And so I think, yeah, we have to sort of look at strategies and also perspectives. And, you know, what's what do you think, like, what's some of your experiences that you've seen in this arena, whether it's your own or whether it's people you've worked with? What do you think are some yeah. of the challenges that couples experience around at least one of them having a business? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different um different, I guess, contexts, you know, in which this can happen or in ways that couples can, um, have a different working arrangement. So I'm going to just take my personal experience first. You know, for me, I was an entrepreneur 
And then I met my husband. And I think then the way that was easier because he, I feel like he knew what he was signing up for. Um, He already saw the amount of work that I put in, how much attention it took uh, from me, how we even negotiated. Oh, I can't go on a date tonight because I need to go and do this for my business. Or, you know, and I'm also, you know, a single mom when he met me. So there was him seeing, oh, you're juggling all of the things that come with your child and you're juggling all the things that come with your business. And I was really upfront with him. Like having a business is like having a child (laughs) and a lot, you know, of my time and hours and I'm super passionate about it. And, um, I think that we had conversations leading into the marriage. So that doesn't mean that it went perfectly smooth. He still has moments of resentment. <laughs> I know he's resenting my work because they'll be like, you're doing going up there again, like going to my physical co-working space, you know, it's like, how many hours are you spending up there again? Um, so I think that for some couples, that is how it happens, where yeah. there's already an existing dynamic. And then they just say, hey, is this going to work for us? And it could be a little bit easier when you come into it that way, for some couples, they've been in a very different situation. Maybe both of them have been salaried. And then one of them had that desire and they just want to take that big leap. And they're not only taking that big leap for themselves, but they're taking that big leap and it's going to have consequences for the other partner and for the family as a whole. And so there's an interesting dynamic. And I'll like leave that one there for a little bit and ask you, yeah, like yeah. where you sort of fall into the category. Yeah. Your context. Oh gosh. I mean, I have a lot of personal experiences, so I'll take my own as well at first and then I can share. I mean, just, I mean, there's not ever a time I haven't worked with a woman that we've worked with her partnership or her family because it's just such a part of the mix. But in my own personal experience, I've had it from multiple places, right? My, I've been an entrepreneur for so long. So, uh, I wasn't quite an entrepreneur when I met my first husband and I became an entrepreneur during that relationship and he was supportive of that. But Also, he was trying to run a business and he was not very successful at it. So there was a time that I was the breadwinner and really trying to support us and have a baby. And, you know, so I've experienced that side of it, you know, being the breadwinner, having to support the entire family and the stress of that and what that feels like. And more recently, you know, I met my second husband seven years ago and he, I was also an entrepreneur then. And I think it was, there was an understanding that I was an entrepreneur, but I don't think he really had a lot of experience with it. And I think that that's what happens is, is that sometimes when our partners don't understand what being an entrepreneur really is like, that it's very hard to conceptualize it, right? Because, because, you know, those of us who've been in business for a long time, like it goes up and down, Like there is there, you know, we try to create as much consistency and sustainability as we can. And sometimes you can really safeguard that as you grow and as you, you know, build your systems. But a lot of times those ups and downs, the market changes, you know, your situation changes, you know, what you're offering changes, like there's just so many changes. And, and so things are not always um, stable, you don't get a paycheck, you know, every two weeks, like you do in, in the corporate world. And I think if you've never really experienced that, if you've never been a passionate entrepreneur as well, so that your passion, you know, you're willing to invest for a period of time without any income in order to get it off the ground. I think if you haven't experienced this, it can be really, really challenging for a partner. And, mm-hmm. and I think one of the points you made that I, I think is a really important point that we need to address in this podcast is that, you know, it is a family affair. Like your business 
will never be totally separate from your partner and your family. Like, and I think too often we just, you know, it may be that we're not as involved in our partners or, you know, if we've been in corporate, right? Because you go to a job, you get a paycheck, it's all structured. But when you're operating your own business, it's going to bleed into family life. It's going to bleed into your time. You don't just work nine to five. Like it's a whole different reality. And there's no way to completely separate it from your family. So it has to be an alignment that you create in the family because it's going to affect the family financially. It's going to affect the family time-wise. It's going to inflect it. Like it's going to really affect the family in terms of roles and, you know, division of both domestic and professional and all around duties. And so I think, you know, that's a really important piece to what we need to kind of dive into. Yes. I think that is really important. I love how you just name how important all of those pieces are for the family because you can't separate them. You can't just say, oh, this is my business and it's over here. It's like how well that business is going impacts the family, the energy that it's taking. So it really is, an, is a family endeavor to have one of the you know main uh, whether it's, you know, the husband or the wife or the in same, in same sex, it's, you know, same thing. If there's two people that are really trying to manage domestic care, child care and work, it's like you still see often when there's two entrepreneurs, it's a different level of managing the I don't know, like the intensity when it comes in both sides. I guess what I'm getting at is in my marriage, one of the benefits is that with my husband being the breadwinner and being salaried, unless something happens to his employment, um, we can count on that one to kind of look the same. So we sort of can create a family dynamic where, okay, that looks this way. You get paid this much, and this is how much uh, workload you have. This is how much your boss expects from you. This is the pressure that you have, and it's pretty consistent. But with an entrepreneurial position, like with my job, we don't know. We don't know how much is coming in. It could be more one month and less the other month. It could be, require a whole lot of work one month where I'm just kind of super easy and everything's going well and I don't have to do as much the other month. So that's always in flux where if you've got two entrepreneurs, then you've got two different people's environments in flux. Yeah. And then you're trying to manage a consistent family routine. If you've got kids or home at home or even just pets or all the different responsibilities that come with family life. So if you've got two entrepreneurs, so it's really, you know, it does just throwing in that dynamic. when you've got two people trying to run their businesses at the same time, I think that there is a lot more, um, that ability, the people that tend to couple in that way have higher level of tolerance or threshold yeah. for stress and discomfort. Yes. Like it's really, you know, and there is psychological research that shows that about entrepreneurs. Like our personality is that we're more comfortable with risk. We're more comfortable when things are not um, smooth sailing. And so put two people and partner them and have them create family. Like you really have to have you know, a family that has that level of resiliency. Yes. And what happens? You know, when one of your children tends to crave consistency or stability in a way that the family unit is not really set up to constantly feed. I don't know. It just it can be complicated too. working down in that way to looking at the, the impact on the kids and the kids personalities and what they bring to the family unit. 
Well, and I think it brings up a good point because, you know, there is benefits as well. Like I'll just quickly say this and then I'll move on to yeah. the point I want to make, but there is benefits as well of having two entrepreneurs. I know that my husband understood my role so much better when he tried a business of his own. Yeah. It, you know, he, he ended up going back to corporate because I think honestly it's a better fit for him. He needs a big team. He needs lots of, you know, income to work with. Like he just, he just thrives in that environment. But I think, you know, once he went through that process, he had a little bit more understanding of what it's like. And so I think there's that benefit of having two entrepreneurs that at least they get it, right? They they sort of understand. And I think yeah. that a lot of times when someone hasn't been an entrepreneur, they really don't understand. And it's a whole sort of different perspective they don't have. But I think what you what you mentioned and what I really took out of it is that it is about figuring out who someone is in the family dynamic, right? And this doesn't just apply to business. This applies to a lot of ways, right? We have to understand how each person's personality plays into it, how we can work together, how we can accommodate everyone. Because like, you know, I know in my relationship, I'm much more um, able to to go for risks. Like for me, I'm not afraid. Like I'm I'm willing to risk more to get more. And, and that's very much my personality and who I am. My husband was less, you know, less enjoying of the risk when we first got together. <laughs> He's learned a lot over seven years. But I think, you know, he was more, he craved more stability and regularity and, you know, like the confidence, like money for him, you know, helped him feel more confident. Whereas for me, I don't care. If I don't have money, it's not a big deal. I know I'll succeed. I know I'll get through it. I'm a survivor. And I've had lots of times in my life where I've, I've really been surviving. And so, you know, for me, it's like my, my, confidence level and how I choose and decide things isn't actually based on the money. Whereas for him, it is more based on the money. And so I think, you know, this is what we have to look at and, and nothing's wrong with either side of it. It's just that we have to understand who someone is and respect and align with it. Cause you know, it can't be one way or the other. We can't do everything his way and we can't do everything my way. It has to be a compromise. Yeah. I think one of the challenges that I've heard my clients struggle with is when there has not been an alignment, there's a real conflict in, in the desire of what they want to both see. And one of the biggest complaints I hear of women is that, because this is what I've seen more often than not, is that there were two Brett, two salaried positions, the husband and the wife, or, or the same sex couple, both working. One says, honey, I have this dream. You know this dream that I've talked about like since we got together and you remember how I've just like fantasized. I can't stop dreaming about this anymore and it's costing me too much not to leap. And so then they as a couple have to go, okay, how are we going to manage this leap? How are we going to set this up for success? Well, often one of the partners wants, they love their partner. They want to see them succeed. So they do everything they can to help that launch and help that leap. And then the person swings out and they're having their experience and then the other person starts sometimes unconsciously minimizing and sabotaging that person's effort, treating it at like, oh, this is your new hobby. Um, oh, well, we've got to count on mine. So let's not even like look at what we need. Like we don't even want to factor yours into the family budget because we can't count on it. And it's like this kind of unknowing sabotage that can happen because that partner really does want to see their partner succeed, but they hit their own fear. Yes. And they hit their challenges. And so unknowingly by being safe, they start factoring that person kind of out of the equation as far as 
economically. And then what message does that send? Oh, my business is the hobby. It's the side hustle. It's not important to the family dynamic. And you can start feeling that loss of momentum. So I've had couples come and present. He doesn't support me. He treats it like it's my side hobby. You know, he doesn't value it. It's not worth anything to him. And then you have the partner going, what? We like remortgage the house. I sacrificed all this stuff. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I support you every day. But there's like this lost in translation yeah. because of the unconscious fears and, and feelings. And often they just haven't found a way to truly put all those out on the table and talk about them in a way that's, you know, going to move them in a more positive direction. It usually becomes divisive and, and becomes an argument. Yep. And that is my experience as well, both personally and I think, you know, with so many of my clients, like, cause I work with the woman in general now. I have worked with couples in the past. And, you know, the thing is, that's what a lot of them say, you know, that, that their husband's supportive, but not supportive, right? It's, it's, they've obviously backed them to a degree or they wouldn't have even been able to make the decision. But then there is a lot of sabotage going on, a lot of expectation going on when the expectations aren't met. So this is one of my, like I personally, one of my things around men has always been that like in this came, you know, from my father and from some of the men in my life as well, is that I was really scared to make goals with them, to actually tell them, here's my goal. I'm, my goal is to make this much money this month or whatever. Because oftentimes if I didn't make the goal for me, I was like, okay, well, I got to try harder. Let me look at what I made, what mistakes I made, whatever. But for a lot of the people in my life, the men in my life, it's been, you know, um, like, well, you failed. Like you yeah. stuck. You, 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 yeah. you didn't, you didn't live up to your word. And it's like, well, I'm in a business, you know, there's a lot of sort of things yeah. I'm negotiating. And I think that, you know, that gets really challenging. And I think that a lot of men don't really, like you said, they don't even, they're not even fully aware that that's happening. They've hit their own fear. They've hit their own resentment, whatever it is that they haven't dealt with. And then they start pushing that out on, on the person running a business. And I, and I think it can happen on the other side too. I just think there's also cultural gender issues that get in the way as well. So, you know, we kind of have to separate because we can talk about, you know, regardless of gender, there's issues when either, either side has an, one has an entrepreneur role and one has sort of the stabilized breadwinning role, right? Either way, that breadwinning role is hard. It's, it's just tough Mm -hmm. to carry the pressure of the family, to have to hold all of that while the other person is unstable. That's just tough. And that's why you have to make a really clear agreement. But then we also do have to kind of bring in some of the gender issues, which is that a lot of men will, they expect their partner to have a full-time business to make all the money that they're making in their full-time job, but to also have the domestic duties, to also pick up the kids at three o'clock because they have flexible schedule to also, and there's just not enough time in the day, right? So you've got a lot of women and I I felt this way a lot through my um, you know entrepreneur career is that I haven't had the capacity to work five days a week. So I'm supposed to make as much as my partner, but I don't even have that capacity to work that much because I'm navigating and juggling all these other pieces. And I think there is a lot of expectation for men that you should be able to do it all. Yes. This was something that was coming up as you were speaking about this. I was like, oh, yes, I've heard so many and I've experienced it myself. Women and men that are the stay-at-home work 
you know, I'm the entrepreneur that's working from home. And then how many times does their partner call and say, Hey, like, are you going to get that laundry done? Or can you go ahead and start dinner before we get home? Or can you go grab the kids? Or can you pick the, the, the pets up from the vet, whatever. And they're like, I'm working. You're working like you're at home. Well, I'm on a call in five minutes, you know, like I actually am working from this time to this time. So there's also this not really understanding that the entrepreneur, because they have the flex schedule and it's often the woman, you know, that, that has this more, it's more likely that they'll just fall into, well, I'm at home. And so I'm working and I'm at home and I'm doing all the domestic and you're right. It's like that, that is part of the sabotage too. It like interferes that person, that entrepreneur's ability to have a successful business because if their partner doesn't really take it seriously or like they come home and they say, why are the dishes in the sink? You've been home all day. (laughs) Well, I've actually had four client calls and I've been wrangling the dogs to get them out of here because they were barking really loudly like I was on this call, you know, and so there's all these things that couples don't often, I think, know to anticipate. And then when they're in the midst of it, it's happening and they don't even honestly realize sometimes why it's happening or that it is happening. So I've, you know, caught my own self having expectations that I should be able to earn just as much money or more. And I'm only working 20 hours a week. What? What the heck? But that's my own mindset. I've gotten confused because I'm thinking, well, it's my business. I've chose this. I'm supposed to be, you know, generating income and I should be able to make as much or more than my partner. And I'm only working 20 hours a week. He's working 40 hours a week or more. Yeah. Why would I even expect that of myself? Right. But yeah, so there's a lot of And I think one of the things we're going to come to is this is not a simple topic. Like, and I love these messy topics, right? Because there's so many layers to it, so many perspectives, so many pieces to it. So we're definitely not going to have the definitive answer by the end of this podcast. But (laughs) we're waiting for that. (laughs) You know, we're hoping, we're definitely going to talk about some strategies, but you know, there is no like one answer because I think it is about more awareness at where we're coming from and where our alignment is or isn't. And, and I think this is part of the piece is that, you know, I can see it from the other side as well, which is there's a lot of women and there's men too doing this, but let's talk about the women who are running businesses more like hobbies. Like they don't, they don't exactly know what they're doing and they can be not making income for years. Right. And that, that happens a lot. I've seen it a lot. And so, you know, then there is that pressure on the partner to have to hold it for that long, like to have to hold the breadwinning, to have to keep investing in the business. And, and that's really tough as well. So, you know, I think the piece is, you know, we're, we've got to look at it from all sides. And I think one of the strategies is we have to be more clear about what is our responsibility and what is not our responsibility, right? Because what I see a lot happening is that, and this is the way that I work with women in my practice, is that sometimes we're over-owning and sometimes we're under-owning, right? So sometimes we're over-owning and compensating for our partner's issues, and sometimes we're under-owning and not really taking responsibility for what is ours. And this is a constant practice, right? I can, I fail at it as well. I can over-own and under-own. And so I think, you know, it's really about getting more clear with where really is our responsibility in the situation, you know, where is it our partner's responsibility to be more kind, to be um, more conscious of their biases or more conscious of their fears, you know, and then also how can we create alignment? 
Yeah. And that consciousness is so important. And we've talked, you know, many of us and our listeners like have consciously chosen their partners and they've made these decisions. Like I'm going to consciously choose to leave this job and start this business and do these things. And it just never stops. It never's like all of a sudden we're just conscious of a choice and then we're going to let it be. It's like, it takes a lot of conscious partnership and when one of you or more, both of you are entrepreneurs, I would just say that it requires even more consciousness around the choices that you're making with energy, energy going out, coming in, because it's constantly chasing, changing. So anything that's changing needs more mindfulness. Yeah. Because you can't count on an automatic habitual behavior. You can't say you're going to go to work every day. Your paycheck is going to be this every day. And unless you get fired or they, you know, reorganize your department, like we can pretty much count on this with entrepreneurs who knows exactly what's going to happen. Is your market going to take off? Is market education going to plummet? Like, and nobody wants what you're selling. There's all sorts of different variables. So I think this consciousness is, is, it's almost important that you and your partner have, I don't want to, it sounds so unromantic. So let's say I don't want to call it a business <laughs> meeting, <laughs> but it's almost like how can couples carve out time every month to not just talk about the kids and not just talk about their relationship, but to talk about their dreams, like a dream date. Yeah. Right. Like, like how's, what if we had a dream date? Hey, this could be a, a solution. No, just kidding. Just a strategy. But dream dates where you say, you know, we're not going to talk about the kids' doctor schedules. We're not going to talk about our retirement plan. This is not when we get out all the QuickBooks and figure out the budget. This is how are you doing with your dream? Mm-hmm. Are you fulfilled? Are you doing this business and you really feel excited and you love it? Or did maybe that was the wrong choice and we want to pivot a different way or or you need a different level of support and you need to outsource something. And how can I understand and, and help you? And then the person who maybe is in their job, is this still satisfying? Are you happy with this position? Have you asked for that promotion that you were going to, honey? I know you want to like, what's holding you back. And like, what if we come together as the true allies we want to be the team members we want to be and check in specifically around the choices and the, in the context of what is happening around our dreams. Yeah. And I think that's the ideal scenario, right? So the ideal yeah. scenario is that you can sit down with your partner and you can have these open conversations. Unfortunately, that isn't always possible, right? So a lot of the right. women that I work with, their partners are just not willing, like whether it's they don't have the consciousness or they're just not willing to deal with their own stuff, their own fears and the things that come up. Or, you know, they just are, are so resentful and unhappy that they're just not willing to come to the table. So in that yeah. case, I think we should discuss and look at what strategies can women do to navigate that situation when their partner isn't willing to come to the table and have these really open yeah. discussions about dreams. I mean, I do think that regardless of who you are, sometimes when you actually ask your partner how they're feeling. And this isn't, this isn't always men, right? I mean, some women have women partners, so it doesn't have to be, you know, a a male, you know, any partner. I think sometimes we have to come to them and we have to ask, you know, how are you feeling and give them the space to actually say it, right? Because a lot of times we're not even giving our partners the space to say, you know what, I'm really resentful. 
And I feel like yes. I'm the one working my butt off all the time. And I feel like you're playing, even if it's not true. Like, and that's the piece is we have to become yeah. non-defensive because it may not be truth what they're saying, but this is their perspective. And so allowing them to have the space and, you know, maybe setting some ground rules, like it needs to be kind, come from the space of like, I feel or I see not like blame and attacking, you know I mean? So there might be some ground rules that need to be set before a conversation like this happens, but yeah. Regardless of where your partner is, it does help to try to open the lines of communication because oftentimes, even if you think your partner is very unreasonable about these kind of situations, when they're able to voice their feelings, it really opens up some amazing um, communication and back and forth that can help them not only understand more of where you're coming from, but you can have compassion and understand more of where they're coming from. So I do think that that is one thing to try first. Yes. No, that's absolutely true. And as you're talking, it makes me think of my own experience around that. When, when I really, there's a difference. Sometimes I check in with my husband and ask like, so, you know, how's it going? And I want to hear it's great. I'm still supporting you. I totally believe in it. It's, you know, like go team. That's what I want to hear. And sometimes that's not the reality. You know, he's feeling resentful. He's feeling like, wow, we put a lot of time and energy into your business this month. And I didn't feel like there was enough left over for us or for me or for whatever it is. And it's being willing to listen and really, like you said, hear that feeling and know that this is not the time to get defensive. It it doesn't mean that it's true, but it means that it's their experience of what's happening. And that can be, it can be tough. It can be really hard. And the more insecure I am about my business, the yeah. harder that is. Yeah. So I was going to say another extra piece is activating your tribe or your hive mind, whoever's around you, go talk to your best entrepreneurial battle buddy, right? Whoever is your person that you go to, to talk about things or your coach or your therapist and say, you know, I really want to check in with my partner right now. Really want to hear what they have to say and how they're experiencing. But I'm, I'm nervous because I'm feeling a bit insecure about my business. I've been second guessing when this is going to take off. I'm not sure if I can give him any answers or her any answers. So how do I do this? you know, and go and have that conversation first with some people that can hear you who are not as attached to your family outcome, yes. but who want the best for you and love you and support you and can just give you some of that space to talk it through. And then you'll feel it'll be easier for you to hold space for your partner's experience because you've already had a little bit of that met and that um, listened to. So you can kind of hold back, you know, and let them have and a space to talk about what's really going on and how it's impacting them. And I think that's the piece I always come to actually, you know, when I'm working with women who don't feel like they have the space to do that or their partner's just unwilling or, you know, there's, there's lots of those sort of experiences, you know, we don't have to have the other person do what we want in order to heal and become whole. Like a lot of times we have to start with ourselves. We have to look at, you know, why are we reacting like this? Where are our wounds? Because if we had no wounds, no matter what our partners mm -hmm. say, you know, if, if whatever they said to us, it would just kind of roll off and be like, oh, well, you're being a bit ridiculous or, you know, well, that's, mm -hmm. that's interesting, but that's not my perspective. Like we wouldn't be hurt by it. But what's happening is that our partners are triggering our own wounds that we haven't handled and that we haven't taken care of our own fear and insecurity, just like you were saying. 
And so, you know, to me, the first line of action is always look at ourselves. Like, where can we heal some of those wounds? Where can we do a little bit of that deeper work that is going to help us be able to be more resilient in ourselves, to have better communications, and also not to overown our underown, right? To be able to really yeah. say, like, yeah, you know what? I've screwed up. These are the mistakes I've made, A, B, and C, and they happened, and that's okay, and this is where I'm at, and, you know, probably you've made some mistakes as well, and this is where we're at, and that's okay, and, you know, being able to really communicate and effectively talk about things, you know, that can't happen when we're so wounded, you know, mm-hmm. that that everything's a trigger, and I yeah. think that's what's happening a lot. And, and granted, you know, sometimes our partners hurt us, you know, and sometimes we hurt yeah. our partners. Like it, it happens. Like, you know, I have it mm-hmm. to where, you know, my husband's attacked me and it's hurt, you know, and, and he was coming from his fear and that doesn't necessarily justify it, but it, mm-hmm. it does, um, it, it is a reason and it is an understanding that we can have. And if I didn't have a reaction to it and if I didn't have a wound that hadn't, that haven't he- healed yet, then I would just be okay with it. I'd just be able to be like, you know what? I'm not going to put up with that kind of attack. And, you know, that's not mine. And we'll resort to this conversation a little bit later. So I do think that personal work, that journey of really handling and healing all of our own stuff is really, really important. Yeah. It's so true because our partner may just be innocently commenting on something that it really even didn't mean to mean anything. And we have some sort of trigger around that. And it's, it is important. We can't just say, well, you're so, um, you're so unsympathetic or you don't understand, you know, it's like sometimes they just don't have your experience. And so going into taking care of yourself and whatever that means for you to resource yourself, to get help, to do your own meditation, your own inner dialogue, and then bringing that to your partner. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's just not the right time. The the stress is really high. Both of you, your, your animal bodies are triggered. So when we talk about yeah. somatics, yeah. Sometimes you have been triggered and your defense mechanisms are up and it doesn't matter what your partner says or does. If you're in a threat response, you're not moving into connection. And so maybe not having the conversation in the middle of some sort of conundrum over the schedule and somebody's mad and we're all walking and pouting and and the kids are crying. It's like knowing when, when, you know, and just saying, I'd really like about this. I can't do it now. Like, let's bookmark this. And that when you come to the table, it's like, how do you check in with yourself and see, you know, am I okay being vulnerable? Am I still feeling defensive? What do I need? Do I need a hug? Do I need to have eye contact with you? Do I need us to be in a different environment than our home or in our bed? Like, where do we need to be? And so just even paying attention to that physical piece of like, how safe does your body feel? Mm. Because if your arms crossed, feeling threatened, there's not really much you're going to be able to say or hear from your partner that's going to get you anywhere. So and true. That, yeah. Yeah. So true. And that takes some, you know, aware. it takes self-awareness to know because sometimes we just want to dive into those conversations, but it's always not always the best time. Yeah. And that's why I think the self-development is always so key, right? Because we have to be able to honestly look at a situation with more awareness so that we can see what the truth is, right? Because there's just so much playing out. What, one of the things I also want to point out definitely before we get to the end of this podcast is, you know, I think it's really important for women to listen to themselves. 
like to, to trust themselves, right? To me, this is the underlying core of everything I want to teach and everything I want to bring to the world is that women need to trust themselves more. And what I do see happening a lot over the years, and this has also happened to me, and one of it's a mistake I see a lot of women make is that, you know, their husband's fear or their, you know, partner's triggering or perspective oftentimes trumps over their own intuition and and of what they need to succeed, of which direction they should go. So, you know, in my own experience, I know that my fear of my husband reacting, I've made decisions in the past that were not aligned with where I should go, right? They were more masculine. They were more, you know, his thinking. And it was just sort of my desire to appease him, to make him feel better, that I stopped listening to myself. And what happens is every time in my business that I stopped listening to myself, I started to fail. And every time I started trusting myself again, I started to succeed. And, you know, I can't operate in a traditional masculine way. And therefore, my business won't succeed like that. It has to be in a feminine way. It has to be in a way that's aligned with who I am. And so I think it's really important to talk that, you know, it's great to come to the table and create compromise and create discussion and create alignment, but you have to trust yourself. You have to trust the way that you are. You have to trust your intuition. It is such an important piece of this process because every time you deny that, you might think that you're sort of appeasing your partner for a little while, but it will come back to bite you. That's a really good point. Very good. And such good advice in so many parts of our lives is, and I think for women, we have struggled with this because we've been conditioned to feel into everyone else's needs, to feel into the room, into the environment, and to assimilate, to accommodate. And in that, we have become wonderful at reading a room, which can be great and understanding where people are. But if you then don't come back in and notice yourself and, and what's yours and what's not yours, Yes. then it's going to be, you're going to start to get lost in that. And your partner is going to continue moving forward thinking that what they're seeing is what you're feeling too. So they don't get that there's something else happening for you, you know? So the more that you can stay true to yourself. And I think sometimes just having understanding and compassion when your partner doesn't get it, mm. you may say, look, this doesn't really have a rational spreadsheet like <laughs> thing that I can give you right now. And yep. I get that. It's not linear. It's not what you're used to. And I can see that that scares you. However, I know you trust me. I felt that in our marriage or in our partnership. And do you still feel like you can trust me? Because I'm working really hard on trusting myself. And all I need is for you to jump in and go all in with me and trust me. Now, please share your concerns, your fears, your thoughts, but from a place that they're yours, not from a place that I need to take them on. I don't need to make yes. yours mine. Yes. Right? Oh my God. I mean, like, I just want to cry as you're talking. Like I can feel emotionally, not only my experience, but, you know, just watching all the many, many women in my life, like, you know, clients, my children, you know, all of it at, at how often we as women get told that what we see, what we feel, what we value is not valid. 
right? Yeah. Because it's not masculine. And this is true in business. I mean, this is one of the challenges I have with, you know, having like men as mentors is that they will never see things from the viewpoint that I see them because they're not women because they don't have that feminine aspect. You know, women like our power is that internal wisdom and it Mm -hmm. can't come from outside. It has to come from inside. And when all of our filters are about what everyone else is saying, and we don't have our own internal filter to look at all, all of that, like, you know, everyone's got good things to say and viewpoints and you can take it all in, but you don't just accept it. You look for what resonates. You look for what reveals your wisdom. And when that comes to light, then you trust that. Yes. 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 And just like you've said before, if more women could trust that, how much more of an impact would we be having? How much more success would we be having? Because sometimes that has been what cost us so many things and it can cost us our partnership. And we, we don't understand that because we think that we need to be what our partner wants us to be, or we need to appease or make them happy. But honestly, your partner fell in love with you because they saw you, they want more of you. And even though they're putting themselves onto the conversation or projecting themselves, I mean, that's, that's their stuff. That's because they're human Mm -hmm. and they keep seeing the world through their own lens but they really partnered with you because their own lens is not sufficient. It's not dynamic. It's not complex. And if we don't bring that to the table, if we don't show up, we're doing a disservice not only to ourselves, but to the magnificent uh, partnership, like the actual complexity and the diversity that comes with two people. And I really believe that we come together as partners, because there are these very special aspects of ourselves and the gifts that we have in the world. And we're almost like activators for each other. You know, Carol and Meese talked about this, right? She says soulmates are not just one person in your life that you're mated to be with. A soulmate is someone that sparks your sacred contract. They somehow bring to you what you need in order to further your purpose and to stay on purpose. And sometimes that's one person. Sometimes it's multiple people in a lifetime and it can be partnerships romantically or friendships or part business. So, yeah. Yeah. You're definitely one of my soulmates, girl. (laughs) Yes, we are. You and I are totally soulmate sisters. And I, and I, And I think one of the things about that too, is that activating sometimes is in a more negative sense, right? Like it, it can, and and how you look at it, it doesn't have to be like negative, but you know, sometimes the people in our lives are there to bring up the wounds that we haven't yet handled. And so that can look really negative if we look at it from that viewpoint, or that can be hard or that can be complex. And then sometimes they activate the best part of us. And, and, you know, ideally they activate both for us to clear out all our wounds and clear out all those aspects that we haven't handled to bring more awareness to ourselves. And then also to help us become the best that we can be. I mean, I think that that's, you know, and, and what I love about, business and also intimate relationships and also motherhood, right? So these sort of three areas that are my favorite areas to deal with is that they are all incredibly challenging areas because they bring up all of our stuff because they bring to light everything we haven't handled and they make us face ourselves. Now, lots of people don't, don't do it. They're not willing. They don't want to look at themselves. 
they just get divorced or they just walk away from their business or they just, you know, maybe not wake walk away from motherhood, but you know, they can throw their hands in the air a few times. I mean, you know, but it's, I think that if you're willing to embrace whatever's coming up, it's this amazing experience to see here's where my wounds are. Here's what I still haven't healed in myself. And I think it's a, a really powerful example. But one of the things I just want to just pull a thread back to the trusting piece, because what I, I think so often um, I've seen a lot of women make a mistake, and I have made this mistake so many times in my own life, is that we think that if we choose our partner's goals, that somehow they'll trust us more. But what happens is because they're not our goals, because we haven't listened to ourselves, because we haven't aligned with our own internal wisdom, we won't accomplish those goals, no matter how hard we try, because it's not really aligned. And so what happens is then they lose trust in us because we've made a goal that they're not, that they have, they're aligned with, but that we can't actually create. Whereas Mm -hmm. when we always follow our wisdom, they may not like it. They may not think that goal is worth it, whatever. Like they have their own stuff, but they will know to trust us because we will fill on every goal we set for ourselves if it's in alignment. And I think this is a really important and subtle distinction that a lot of women haven't talked about, contemplated, looked at, is they've created, like I always created a lot of financial goals for my partners or for my dad or for, you know, the men in my life. They wanted me to have financial goals. So here's my financial goal. I'm going to make this much this year, this much this month, blah, 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 blah. I'm totally not motivated by financial goals. So I never could create them because I'm not aligned. I have to tie in my value with a financial goal. Like I have to say that I'm going to make this much money because it means A, B, and C to me. And I think that that's the really important piece is that, you know, when we listen to ourselves, we will accomplish what we have, what we want and what we have inside of us. And therefore they can learn to trust us. But every time we distrust ourselves, we will prove distrustful to others. Yeah, that's an absolute wonderful point and such a great way to kind of wrap up our discussion today because we came in talking about partnership, not really (laughs) solving the problem, um, but it's a complex human relationship and business is another complex dynamic. And if we're try, if we're following that thread of trust and following that thread back to ourselves, then regardless of where we go from there, we're starting at a really important place. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think when we're in integrity with ourselves, we will be more fulfilled, more happy, more able to navigate things and more resourced. And I think that that's the piece that, you know, really, I mean, I guess, I mean, we never have any idea where sometimes these conversations will go, but I think this is such an interesting place that it went today back to that piece of self-trust. Yes. Yes. Know yourself. Yeah. And trust that. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for, you know, joining us. We'll see you next week. And I'm sure we will dive into deeper aspects of this topic. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show. To get some great resources and listen to all of our episodes, visit theliberationlab.com. We want to help other women get the support they need to create more real success and freedom. If you're enjoying the show and want to support our mission, you can write a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who commented, emailed us, and reviewed our show. We are so appreciative of your support. See you next week.